Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I think where it gets tricky in our churches and submitting to leadership in our churches is when we have people in positions of power and authority who are abusing that. And the people then in the churches are still feeling like, I need to submit to this person because of their title or their position in this church. And so that's where I think the accountability comes in. We have to have other strong leaders coming alongside our pastors to hold them accountable, to hold me accountable for our behavior, to be talking through situations or theology on whatever topic that is, and inviting the Holy Spirit into those conversations. This series, we're studying First Peter, and I am so glad you're here. Today, we're talking about 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5, and my guest today is pastor of Aspen Community Church. She's a wife, she's a mom, and she's my friend. It's Misty Harper Anderson. Welcome, Misty. Well, thank you very much. I'm so glad to be your friend. <laughs> thank you. I thought you were going to say, it's so nice to be here. Okay, well, that, that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We've had, we're, today, we're going to talk a lot about leadership and we were in a leadership coaching group together, and so we've yeah. talked about leadership a lot. Quite a bit, yes. Yeah. Okay, so we're looking at First Peter 5, 1 through 5. Would you read those verses for us, Misty? Yes, I would love to. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. It's only five verses, but there, yeah. So much power in those five verses. As I was reading them originally, I was thinking how amazed I am at the wisdom of Peter. When we are first introduced to him in the Gospels, he's kind of this wild guy, uh, goes with the spur of the moment things mostly. He says what he thinks almost all of the time. And here he has this wisdom in him. And in Acts, we see that people are amazed because he is uneducated. So he hadn't had years and years of rabbinical training. And we see this beautiful wisdom in him. And it's so encouraging because this is the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So this wisdom is available to anybody who wants it. I think sometimes we do not, I think sometimes we take for granted the power that's available to us because of what, what Christ did through the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit in us. I think it's uh, a power source that's usually mostly untapped. Agreed. Agreed. I've had several conversations over the years with friends who've said things like, what would it be like in our churches and our communities and our homes if we really led into the power of the Holy Spirit? What would that look like for us? Well, yeah, I just had a conversation with a coworker, and she, you know, we were talking about the early church. People were healed. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time at a church service you saw someone healed or delivered from something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a good question. I just brought that to God the other day. I was reading in the Book of Acts, and the 
people were being healed. And I thought, okay, God, is this just for this first church, for these first disciples and apostles? Or is this something that's available to us today that we just don't recognize that it's there? Mm -hmm. And I didn't get a clear answer, so I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) But we do know that that power, the power of the Holy Spirit is available to us. And, you know, it's interesting to think about leadership too. And, you know, as you were reading too, I was thinking about the the we're going to talk about leadership here, but the Bible has a lot to say about those who are in power and how they're supposed to um, the relationship that they're supposed to have with that power and the relationship that they're supposed to have with the people over whom they have power. Like I'm thinking about, I was on a call committee for a pastor and we studied, you know, what is, what does the Bible have to say about being a pastor? And it's sorry. Pastor Misty, it's a, it's a big, it's a big call. Like it it's big call. something. This is a kind of leadership to really take seriously. And we've seen so many things. So many things have been brought to light in the realm of the church in the last couple of years about people who are leading in spaces and abusing that power. Mm-hmm. And so to really take a look at the accountability systems that we have for our pastors and, and other leaders in our churches too. I think if there were ever a time that we really need to be paying attention to that, this is the time. Mm-hmm. For sure. So um, we can talk a little bit about the study guide. For those of you listening, if you don't have the study guide, you can head over to myfaithradio.com and look for a reading the Bible together resource page and you can get the, you can download the study there. Um, but some of the questions from the study guide were talking about godly leadership, experiences with godly leadership, experiences with ungodly leadership, and then kind of submitting to that leadership. So why don't we start with, like, you know, what has your experience been with when leadership has been demonstrated in a godly way? So I have this really incredible opportunity to be coached and mentored by two different pastors, both in Minneapolis, uh, Pastor J.D. Larson from North City Church and Pastor Steph O'Brien from Mill City Church. And both of these people are people who pour into my life, and they do it generously and freely. There's no expectation that I'm going to give something back to them. It is just this desire for them to empower other pastors, other leaders in the church to serve the church well And I will sit under their teaching any day of the week. (laughs) They have such wisdom and such beautiful hearts and this desire to make God's name known in the Twin Cities and beyond. And I so appreciate how they lead me. I see how they're leading in their churches and how their staff responds to them and the joy and excitement that is in their churches. And you know there have been so many changes in our churches in the past couple of years from in-person to online to how do we do church now? How do we engage people now? And to see them moving through all of these changes and certainly moments of frustration and still doing that with such grace and such humility and such a willingness to follow where the Holy Spirit is leading them. It has been very powerful in my life to witness that and to experience that and to be led by them. What are some tangible, you know, tangible examples of how you've seen them, you know, live out or you've experienced what you would say is godly leadership from them? Yes. So we've been church planting for, well, actually the past two years, September 20th of 
2020 is when I was approved to church plant. Mm-hmm. So, Congratulations. Yeah, thank anniversary. you. We're recording this on the 22nd. Yes. So it was just a couple of days ago. And it has been a long journey because who decides to plant a church during a global pandemic? Mm-hmm. We did. Mm-hmm. And in that time, North City Church they were gathering how we see most churches gathering on a Sunday morning, uh, listening to a sermon, singing praise songs together, uh, and then leaving and going about our week. In that time, they have shifted from being in person to being online to uh, having meal churches, and that's what they are now. They are a dinner church, and it is this beautiful way of inviting the community in to share a meal and hopefully staying to hear what's called a Jesus story. So Mm -hmm. something from the gospel, uh, something from somebody's life, how Jesus is working in their life, and then giving a chance to have conversation about that around a table. That is where our church is headed to. And the reason is because I've seen J.D. and uh, Christian and his wife, they're co-pastors. I've seen them lead this church into this next phase, following what God is asking them to do. Mm. Seeing that it probably isn't where they thought they would be. I think they are about five years, three to five years into their church planting process. And I would guess this isn't what they expected. And yet it's something very cool. It's this fresh expression of the church So then to see J.D.'s willingness to teach us how to do the same thing, Mm -hmm. to replicate it to a certain degree, but also making it very much our own for our community. There is this gentleness in how he teaches me, coaches me, and and still very solid information. Uh, Knowing that he's praying for me, he's praying for our church, it's been powerful and encouraging in a season where we too have wrestled with, are we still doing what God is asking of us? Mm-hmm. And I think we'll, we'll keep asking that question uh, and, and being really thankful that there are people praying over us. That's so good. And, and I've seen that. I've seen you wrestle with that and, and even the model of... Because a lot of us, when we think of church, it's, yeah, I'm sorry, there's a song that I learned when I was growing up. The church is on a building where people go to pray. It's not made out of sticks and stone. It's not made out of sti- not made out of hay. We are the church. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that song talks about what you're talking about. That for, I think a lot of times church, the word church conjures up a building. It's a place yeah. where we go to worship. But I think a lot of what we saw, you know, what would have been our early church experience, they were at the temple for sure. Yeah. But then there were these gatherings yes. and homes. Yes. And certainly the the people who Peter is writing to here, who knows where they're meeting because they're enduring persecution. Mm-hmm. So they are probably meeting in homes at this point and just trying to figure out how to be together, to worship together, and then to stay strong together as they face persecution. Yeah. Okay, so then on the other side of that, have you experienced what you would say is ungodly leadership? Yeah, I have. Uh, In the last couple of years, I endured a situation in a church that took me completely by surprise. What I will say about that is, first of all, God used it for good still because he does. He uses all things for good. That is what pushed me in, in the direction that I am right now with church planting and and pastoring there. 
what I saw was there was conflict in the church that had to do with me, but was being discussed without me present. So there were a group of people, a group of elders that were discussing it, and I had no idea that it was happening. Eventually I did, and that led to me no longer being part of that church. And it was incredibly hurtful. And I go back to what the Bible says about conflict. If you have conflict with somebody, you go to them. If they don't respond, bring somebody else with you. And if they still don't respond, then you go to your church and you ask them to leave. Now, the situation wasn't that there was anything horrible being done. There was no sin involved here. It was just truly a matter of different ecclesiology. Mm-hmm. And can you talk about just define that a little what bit? Ecclesi- yes, yeah. absolutely. Ecclesiology is what you believe about church, what you believe about uh, what church means, how people gather, even to the point of where do women fit in ministry mm-hmm. in churches. And that was part of the conflict here. So, again, God used it for something really good, and yet the pain of it has been primarily healed in the past couple of years. Therapy, spiritual direction, trusted friends, that's all been so good. And I know that God has done a work in me. God has done a work in the people who caused this trauma, uh, we've we've been able to have healing in those relationships too. As hard as it was, there's been healing there and growth there for everybody involved. Mm. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's about is 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 restitution. Is you know what's the word I'm looking for? Restoration. Yes, thank you. He's <laughs> looking welcome. for restoration. Yes, that's what he's about. Yes, yeah. And so you know when we're talking about leadership, whether it's godly, ungodly, which the next question is, gets real interesting if you think about ungodly leadership. Um, but this matter of submitting that, you know, where the Bible has a lot to say about submission. Um, the, the church has said a lot about submission. I think submission has, you know, when I will speak for myself, when I hear the word submission, I have complicated feelings yes. <laughs> about it. Yes. Um, and so the the question, oh, and that's what the question says, com- submission is complicated for us. You know, submission in marriage, you know, this is talking about submitting to leaders. You know, what is, you know, what has been your, how do you feel about submission? You know, yeah. what are your complicated yes. feelings about submission? Yes. So my original feeling of submission was, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear that word. When my husband and I got married, I believe it was verses in Ephesians, and it talks about wives submitting to their husbands. And I believe in the message translation that he doesn't use the word submission. And so that's what we used because I didn't want to have it to be any part of our wedding ceremony. Like, God help my husband because (laughs) he married a real handful. (laughs) Mine too. (laughs) But what I've learned is submission is mutual. Mm. I submit to my husband, my husband submits to me, and there is this mutuality in our relationship. It is respect and love. And as this pertains to leadership, then it's very similar. I 
can submit to somebody else's authority. When I am being coached and mentored by Steph and JD, I am submitting to their authority and I will do it gladly. And I, in first Peter, he talks about the younger people submitting to their elders. And I think that there is great wisdom in that we need to learn from each other. And Steph and JD are both about 10 years younger than I am. And I still have zero problem submitting to their authority because they have more experience in the area that I am seeking wisdom. And also, they're just really wise people. Mm-hmm. You and I uh, have a friend, Angie, uh, and she, too, I, for me, I think she's about 20 years younger than I am, and yet has this wisdom that's so far beyond her chronological age. So I will gladly submit to that wisdom because I know that it's godly. Mm-hmm. I think where it gets tricky in our churches and submitting to leadership in our churches is when we have people in positions of power and authority who are abusing that. And the people then in the churches are still feeling like I need to submit to this person because of their title or their position in this church. And so that's where I think the accountability comes in. We have to have other strong leaders coming alongside our pastors to hold them accountable, to hold me accountable Mm -hmm. for our behavior, to be talking through situations or theology on whatever topic that is and inviting the Holy Spirit into those conversations. And I think, you know, we all have blind spots. Yes. And I think when you're in a position of leadership, a, a position of authority, and especially when that, I mean, when that's wrapped up in that, that is also your living. Yeah. So if you're a pastor and you're married and you're you know, the breadwinner for your family or you know, contributing greatly to your family, uh, you know, I, I'm just thinking about when like the desire to hold tight mm. to it no matter what yeah. and how I, I think sometimes the desire to hold on to it whether it's grasping for power or whether it's out of fear of losing your living, yeah, um, that things can then come out sideways because the focus is holding on versus leading. Yes. Does yes. that make sense? I think the first question in the study guide was something about what sticks out to you and what, what Peter has written here uh, and the, the language that he uses around leadership. And The common theme for me is leading out of love. Mm. He encourages the elders to lead the people that they're leading, not just because they have to, but because God has called them to this and because they want to. When I look at the different places where I am leading, so whether that's in our church, whether that's with our children, I also teach a class at Bethel and Bethel University. So I teach New Testament and Old Testament to students with intellectual disability. I do this because I love them. Mm. In each of these places, I do this because I love these people. And I am privileged that God has allowed me for this time and this place to lead these people. And certainly I feel a sense of duty because I want to do things well. Maybe that's just part of how I'm wired, right? (laughs) But It is this outpouring of God has loved me so well Mm -hmm. that I want to share this with other people. I want them to know what I know about this Jesus. And I think that's part of what Peter is saying here too. Jesus loved you so much that he died on this cross for you. So when you're leading other people, 
do it out of that outpouring of love. Mm. And it, there's a lot of uh, imagery, too, about the flock and yeah. the shepherd and leading, you know, sheep will follow the voice of the shepherd and they'll just follow because they trust. Yeah. I was thinking as you were talking about when, when you know, people trusting and following even when someone maybe is misusing or abusing their position because of the position that, because their pastor, I need to still submit to them. You know, I'm thinking about how difficult it is if you've been in a situation where that has been abused or misused to find healing and then to be able to turn and trust again mm-hmm. and to trust that this, you know, new pastor will be trustworthy. That's a hard process. Yeah, that's such a good point. I have processed that a lot in the last couple of years. And the question that has come to me, so even in the months after leaving our former church, I still had such a love and heart for the church. And it seemed baffling to even me. Why do I still care about the church when this was the very place that has caused this pain? But it is because... Jesus loves the church. The church is the bride of Christ. So then the people who are part of our core group who are church planting with us, why would they trust me? And I don't actually know the answer. I I suppose I could ask them that question. (laughs) Why do you even trust me? I hope that we are creating something where, again, there's a high level of accountability. There's also a high level of transparency and vulnerability. And I think that that creates strong leaders. We often hear the word vulnerable, I think, and and maybe think weakness. Mm -hmm. And yet I think it takes great strength and courage and leadership to be vulnerable with the people that you're leading. And hopefully that's part of the reason that they are choosing to follow. Well, and I, I think, yes, and to answer, to go to my question, too, is that, that for that new leader to allow space for healing to happen and to not expect, you know, well, I'm the pastor, so, or I'm, you know, fill in the blank leader, you should just trust me because that's what you're supposed to do, but to give people space to, to work through, you know, any past experience that they've had yes, is a real yes. gift. Yes, I've watched that uh, transition in a church, too, from a great disruption uh, from one pastor to the next and then watched that pastor do that, create the space and also be transparent with things about where the church is at and what it's going to take, what he viewed that it, at least that it would take to create healing here and to be patient in that process And uh, it takes a lot of endurance and a lot of grace and a lot of patience. Yeah. Is there anything else in 1 Peter that you want to make sure we talk about that we haven't talked about yet? The the one last note that I have is that the audience that he's writing to is multicultural. And as I mentioned before, incredible persecution for these people. And the only way that they could get to or get through this was through mutual love, respect, and patience with one another. And I think that that's a good word for our churches. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Misty. Thank you for taking the time to look at this and to share so honestly about your experiences with leadership, godly, ungodly, good, bad, submission, where it's hard. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for joining us for this conversation about 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And if you haven't gotten the study guide yet, you can head over to MyFaithRadio.com and look for the Reading the Bible Together resource page. There you'll find the study guide for 1 Peter and all of our other reading plans. That's over at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, I hope you'll join us next time when we talk about 1 Peter 5, 6 through 14. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.